0: Because anytime you puff yourself up and exaggerate yourself, you're inauthentic. And every time you beat yourself up, you're inauthentic. It's only when you get to love yourself and love the people around you with an equitable mind that you actually maximize your greatest potential.
1: Hello and welcome to The Daily Helping with Dr. Richard Schuster. Food for the brain, knowledge from the experts, tools to win at life. Are you ready? Because it's time for your Daily Helping. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Daily Helping Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Richard, and I am so excited to welcome back to the show Dr. John Demartini. If you missed our first conversation, go back and listen to episode 211. He's an amazing Human being. He's a world-leading behavior specialist, researcher, best-selling author, educator, and founder of the Demartini Method, a revolutionary tool in modern psychology, a prolific writer. He's authored 40 books that have been translated into 39 different languages, and he's presented his insights to some of the world's most influential people with some of the world's most influential people, including Sir Richard Branson and Deepak Chopra. Dr. Demartini's cutting-edge methods are the culmination of almost five decades of research across disciplines, including physics, philosophy, theology, metaphysics, psychology, astronomy, mathematics, neurology, and physiology. He synthesized these things, incorporated them into his work on human values. Dr. John, welcome back to The Daily Helping. It is so great to have you here with us today.
0: Well, thank you. I was looking forward to it. So that's fantastic. I had a great time last time. Yeah, I did as
1: well. And and, you know, there's just some people that are just such a wealth of knowledge and and you wish the interview could just go on forever and ever and ever because you shared so much wisdom with us on the last call. So again, the first episode was 2.11. So we're not going to go and do your superhero origin story and all the things we talked about again last time. If you want to hear about Dr. John and how he's doing what he's doing. I really encourage you to go back to listen to our first chat, but what I want to do right now is talk about some of the your more recent work that you're doing, which is really exciting. I know you recently released a book called The Seven Secret Treasures: A Transformational Blueprint for a Well-Lived Life. So, I want to spend a little time talking about that, John, what was your impetus for writing that book? What inspired you to create that?
0: Well, um, there's a number of things. (laughs) I like to be forthright with things. A publisher approached me and asked if I would do a 10 book deal, a series of 10 books. And I said, well, um, right now my schedule is pretty crazy. I don't know about that. And so, what we would like to do is we would like to take live, because we've been watching your YouTubes and reading your blogs and articles and stuff. And we just think there's quite a bit of information out there. We'd like to correlate that and put it in books. And I said, okay, I'll um I'll oversee it and work with you, and I'll oversee it and put in final edits and stuff, and we'll put these things together. So that's how the first that's how it was initiated. And they asked me what topic am I most inspired to work on? And I said, well, the thing that I've been working on since I was 18 is anything to do with helping people master their lives. And that meant one that was basically masterful in each area of life. And I broke life into seven areas, which is basically our business pursuit. People who have a goal to do something extraordinary in business, I believe I'd like to gather information that can help people master their business. And then financial pursuit, I'd like to help people you know, master their finances. It's what I wanted to do. I learned from ZigDurgo, if you help other people get what they want to get in life, you get what you want to get in life. And so I thought, okay, I would like to master those areas and not have a weak link. I'd like to have them all working. And I'd like to help other people do that. So as I learn it for myself, I'd like to share that and we both win. So business uh, achievements, wealth achievements, relationship stability and achievements. And i I'd had a dream of having a global relationship, a global family, uh, leadership and social influence. I believe that people deserve to have not only a meaningful relationship, but also have social influence to leave a legal mark in the world. I wanted people to have vitality and health and well being and their, you know, be attractive and fit. And so anything to do with that i've been devouring i want them to be able to go out and be inspired by their life their spiritual path whatever that may be it may or may not be religious oriented but just whatever that allowed them to do something deeply meaningful and inspiring i call it their inspired mission and then i want i believe that people want to be able to wake up their genius and use their creative knowledge to be able to make a contribution to other people so spiritual quest mental quest, financial quest, business quest, family quest, social quest, and physical health and well-being quest. Those are the seven areas. And so this seven secret treasures was kind of like the highlights of the most important information that I've been able to gather over the last 50 years that can assist people in mastering those areas and empowering those areas. Because any area of your life you don't empower people will overpower you. And nobody's getting up in the morning and dedicating their life to your fulfillment. And if you don't, then nobody is. And so, don't expect a highly fulfilled life because you're not even designing it. So that's what the book is about. That was the topic. They asked me what was important to me. I said, well, that. And I said, well, then let's start with that. And it's not a giant book. I want it to be like distilled down to, you know, something that people could read without being overwhelmed. So that's what the purpose of the book is. It's an inspiring, um, fast-moving book that's many people don't put down they just keep going um giving them insights on how to u- use practical tools to help empower those areas
1: what i like about this in a lot of these topics and you know, when people talk about the pursuit of personal development john they you know these many of these things come up financial success you said wealth the pursuit of business relationships your social your health waking up their genius and living inspired lives are two that most people don't talk about. And so I think this is really, really exciting. I'm curious as we have these, the seven, the seven secret treasures, is there an order to them? Can we do them in any order? How does that work?
0: I divided them up into uh, traditionally three and three, you know, today we're very androgynous and men and women are are empowering all of them but traditionally the males were kind of slanted towards intellectual development business development financial development they were the producers uh, to take care of families and that's very very common underdeveloped countries still to this day but in developing countries it's more androgynous females are just as capable as males of doing business and we're managing money and becoming wealthy, and a lot of them are today. But, um, the on the family side, the social side, and the physical health and beauty that was typically on the female side, that was for reproduction instead of production. And so, I divide those seven areas up, and whatever is inspiring to you in those areas that you want to slant towards, if you are slanted, you may be completely androgynous and focus on empowering all of them which is what i try to help people do whatever is really most important to you is your spiritual quest i don't think spiritual quest is necessarily a particular religion it could be it's um it's what inspires you you know tom jones when i had dinner with him he he, he was inspired to sing what inspires me is to teach uh, I, I had dinner with a pole vaulter, a Olympic medal pole vaulter, you know won a lot of gold medals. Her value was pole vaulting. She lived at eight hours a day to ten hours a day. Um, so I know another lady that's in casting director who does casting from great movies. and man, that's her dream. She's inspired. This is what she feels she's on the planet for. So whatever's highest on your value, whatever is most meaningful, whatever is spontaneously inspires you, fulfilling that and living by priority and living that out to me is our spiritual quest mine's i feel like i'm being my doing my spiritual mission teaching but you know somebody else it may be going to a temple somewhere but um i don't i I consider the whole world the whole universe is my temple so i don't need to go to a building to to feel inspired but everybody has a different view and they're not wrong or right they're just they have different views so I'm about empowering all those areas. I believe that each individual, regardless of where their gender spectrum is, they're capable of doing that. I've seen men and women empower all those areas and do extraordinary things with it. So I love researching and gathering information that I know will help that you know I've proven over the years, 50 years of doing this, uh, what enhances people's empowerment. If we don't empower ourselves. Physically, you know, uh, mentally, we're going to be told what to think. If we don't empower ourselves in business, we're going to be told what to do. If we don't empower ourselves financially, we're told what we're worth. Social Security, if we don't empower ourselves in relationship, we're told, honey, do this, honey, do that, because we don't have enough empowerment to hire people to do all those things. If we don't empower ourselves socially, we'll be told what misinformation and propaganda that we're surrounded by. If we don't empower ourselves physically, we'll be told what drugs to take and what organs to remove. If we don't empower ourselves spiritually, we'll probably be caught in some geocentric, anthropomorphic, uh, religious idea of what spirituality is, which is a part of it, but not the whole. And um, so, I'm a firm believer of taking command of those areas. And so, I, I'd be glad to go over some highlights of what some of those things are and give some people a taste to what I'm talking about. I'd
1: absolutely love you to, and, and pick any one of the seven that, that's called that you're called to talk about right now, and, and let's go deeper.
0: Well. I'll start with mental, uh, and we'll start with young kids. I've seen hundreds of kids labeled. I'm sure you have, too. You know, attention deficit, defiant disorder. I mean, you know, they get all kind of labels. And I found that if you ask that child or ask the parent, go to a moment where the child is focused, inspired, and amazingly capable of learning and it may be video games they say it may be social soccer it may be social interactions on the internet it may be computer game you know computer software or something but everybody has an area where they love learning i'm i'm convinced that there's no such thing as a child that doesn't want to learn it's just the child doesn't want to learn what they're told to learn they want to learn what they love learning <laughs> I wanted to learn surfing when I was a kid. (laughs) Nobody was testing me on surfing, even though I went on to do surfing magazines and surfing movies and surfing, you know, I got into books, surf books and everything else because I was pretty good at it. But nobody was testing that. So where they were testing, I was uninspired. But over there, I was inspired working 12 hours a day to do that. So the first thing to do is identify what the child's spontaneous learning focus is. And I've not met a child that doesn't have it. But i watched tons of kids being labeled out of, in my opinion, uh, disrespect for the kid. Because they're projecting about what they should be doing and what they ought to be learning and what they're supposed to be learning. Instead of finding out where they excel and where their genius is and uh, the second we identify what that is we can then link other classes to it we can link it cuz nobody kid no kid goes to school for the sake of just going to school they go to learn and if they don't feel that they're learning what's meaningful to them they're disengaged in school and they just get by but the second they find a class that's helping them do what they really love to do they'll be fully engaged so i i took a group of children in alexander township In South Africa, and the the Raymond Martin, who was the head of the board of education there, asked me if you could do something with this group. And I said, "Well, what's the deal?" Well, twenty seven out of hundred kids are passing the trick, which is high school. Twenty seven percent. This is in the lowest socioeconomic. These are where people are making three hundred to a thousand dollars a year income. And these kids are—they don't have books. They don't have a decent desk. They—they're they're sitting on a muddy floor. I mean, it's just—it's really impoverished. So, twenty-seven out of the kids, out of one hundred kids, actually get to finish high school, even though they've gone through all the classes supposedly. So, we went in there, and I met with the teachers, and I found out what the hierarchy of the values of the teachers were. I linked the classes they were teaching to it by asking, "How is teaching this class helping you fulfill?" what is meaningful to you, because if they can't see it, they're not engaged. And when a teacher's not engaged, the kid doesn't want to be there. And we engage the, the teachers in four hours. I've got a science, a method on doing that. So I engaged them in four hours. And then I went to the students and I did the same thing with them. I found out what their highest values were. And I found out the classes they were taking. And I linked the classes to the, cl- the to their highest values. And all of a sudden, the kids are now more engaged. And in the process of doing that, we then had another class for four hours where the teacher and the students uh, exchanged and linked values between them. So the teacher was not an autocrat talking down to the students, and they were not being told what to do with autocracy, which makes people alienate, not want to participate. But to find out how the kids' individual values were helping the teacher, and then how to communicate what the teacher's values were helping the kids. And we did this four-hour linking process. All we did is spent 12 hours. 12 hours work. And the following year, 97% of the kids passed. 97% of the kids passed. So kids want to learn. They want to learn what's meaningful to them. And if they can't see how the classes they're taking or the topics they're studying, Is helping them fulfill that. Their reticular activating system shuts down. They filter it out. It goes into short-term memory. They may cram for a test, but they don't give a darn about learning it because they don't see where it's going to help them in their life. And then they just get by. And then this is kind of mediocrity. But the kid that is able to link and find out how the classes because I believe that every child when they go to school deserves to know how these classes are going to help them fulfill their dreams. I think that's a responsibility of a teacher and responsibility of the school to start there so the kids are engaged. And I've done that on many schools in many countries and gotten similar results. That was an exceptional result, but I've seen similar results. So, whether you're going to a school or going to work, if you're in a career and you've got to keep up with knowledge and information in the field that you're in, if you don't see how that particular topic is helping you fulfill it, You're going to resist it. You're not going to want to learn it. It's going to be short-term memory. So I developed a method, a series of steps to assist people in maximizing their learning capacities and also speed reading systems to help people absorb information more quickly. And um, so when, when people are pursuing challenging information that really inspires them, that's when they get the most innovation, creativity, original thinking and genius birth and i've taught classes on genius awakening genius for 40 years and i've been helping kids you know that struggle in school just all of a sudden go to the top in school by certain little you know engagement processes and uh, i took a kid that was hyperactive that was going running back and forth in the room just running back and forth just like this hyperactive the mother was just immune to it very distracting. So I asked the mother what go to a moment when he's really focused and he's present and he's not running back and forth. Says yeah when he's when he's building model trains. So I so he he really loves trains he goes he lives in trains. I said to the kid Do you like trains he goes yep and he stopped running for a second. I said what's the longest train you've seen? He thought I don't know 360 cars and I go how many were box cars? How many were flat cars? How many were tanker cars? And I started asking questions and made him engaged. He stopped running and he sat and engaged with me and he started talking to me. And then I told the mother, I said, I want you to take him to the longest track to see the longest trains, and he's going to do research and we're going to find out what languages are on the side of the trains and study sociology. We're going to count the ratios and mathematics of all the different types of cars. We're going to find out how it, how much weight a car is and how much it takes and how many engines it takes. We're going to study it, and we're going to study math, sociology. We're going to study language. We're going to lo- take all his classes. We're going to link it to trains. This kid was enormously impacted by that process. The mother was saying, I don't even know, recognize this kid anymore. He's now focused. He's engaged. He's got his teachers working for him. He's wanting to go to class. He's not labeled. The teacher said, "Whatever you, whatever medication you put him on, it's working." We never put him on medication. They stick him on a drug, you know, adrenaline stimulant, Ritalin and stuff. That's you know it helps some kids, but there are alternatives to that. So I I'm a firm believer in how to maximize your mental capacities and brain capacities. So there's a section on that in the book. So that's I could go on and for hours on hours on that topic.
1: You'll be taking the next step on the journey to unlocking the power of you. And I can't wait to see where you'll go. I love that. I want to ask a question about, you know, I know this is one of the things you talk about in the book. Um, One of the things you talk about in the book is awakening to your own immortality, which that really caught my eye. Could you talk to us about that?
0: Yeah, what we found is that in our brain, we have kind of like layers of the brain. And the most advanced layer is the executive center, the medial prefrontal cortex. Mm -hmm. This is the seat of the self, according to Scientific American in October. And um, then we also have a subcortical area of the brain, the amygdala, which is sort of the fight or flight, rest and digest uh, survival area of the brain. When we go into survival, we go to immediate gratification because we need to we have an emergency. When we go into the executive center, we start thinking longer term. So every human being has a set of priorities and set of values. and if we if we identify the hierarchy of their values and have them start do high priority actions and prioritize their actions on a daily basis, their self-worth goes up. And if they do low priority things, their self-worth goes down but also their space and time horizons go up. They think long-term vision if they do high values, and they do thinking of immediate gratification and emergency in their low values. So that's why people that are addicted, compulsive, impulsive, uh, immediate gratifying uh, with sweets, consumption, uh, overeating, purchasing, drugs, alcohol, sex, anything of that nature, that's usually compensation for unfulfilled higher values. And if I find out what their highest values are and show them a way of strategizing to do that, a lot of those conditions calm down very quickly. So to increase our immortality, which means to increase the space and time horizons that we're living in that keep expanding to the degree that we live by priority, eventually the space and time horizons extend beyond our life. And we start thinking about goals that are not just for ourselves, but our family, our community, our city, our state, our nation, our world, and it's when we pursue those challenges and solving those problems instead of our own that we wake up our immortality. And this is something Heraclitus described in his times when he was discussing her immortality in fifth century BC. So it's not new.
1: I love this. Uh, we could, as you said, we could talk for hours and hours about this. But I want to give space to talk about your newest book, which is now available everywhere. Tell us the name of the book and what it's about, and let's let's take a a quick tour of that.
0: My newest book is called The Resilient Mind. And this is how to deal with anxiety and depression, uncertainty, distractions, how to stay focused and be inspired by your life, and how to take no matter what happens in your life and be resilient to it and learn how to see whatever's happening in your life, how it's on the way towards something meaningful. Extracting meaning out of your existential existence so you can focus on the essence of what you're really committed to. And um, it's practical books. It's filled with a lot of practical information on how to have a resilient mind, how to take no matter what happens in your life and use it to your advantage. As we go around, we, like to, we have false attribution biases that we tend to impose on people and we blame people or give credit to people and dissociate from our role of what we're perceiving and this is how we dissociate from accountability and responsibility to live an extraordinary life. And so I'm addressing false attribution bias, where you blame things on the outside or give credit. You know, as depicted as a Greek philosopher it said, people, when they start to first start their journey, they blame others. When they go further on their journey, they blame themselves. When they finally reach the pinnacle of the journey, they realize there's nothing to blame. Everything was in order and they just didn't see it. Now they can see the order of it. So I'm I'm showing people how to not get caught in hero and villain mentality and 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 blaming yourself or others or giving credit to yourself or others. And because anytime you puff yourself up and exaggerate yourself, you're inauthentic. And every time you beat yourself up, you're inauthentic. It's only when you get to love yourself and love the people around you with an equitable mind that you actually maximize your greatest potential.
1: I love this so much. It, and, and the science bears this out. And one of the things that's so interesting about how the internet has transformed personality is once people started having the ability to create this space about themselves online. And, and even before social media, we had these websites, personal websites when those tools became available. You know, we started seeing this phenomenon known as the trophy case presentation, where people were presenting themselves online puffing you up puffing themselves up if you will but then it got darker because as social media came along our cognitive biases were being reinforced and we could eliminate the voices who weren't in agreement with us and now our society is so polarized so that you're going after false attribution bias is fantastic I, i'm i i think i'm the most excited about this because our, our society is ripping itself apart unnecessarily because we're all people. So could you take, uh, take us a little bit deeper into how one goes about unwinding that false attribution bias that's so prevalent today?
0: Well, it's very important because if you put people on pedestals or pits and don't put them in your heart, you're gonna minimize yourself or exaggerate yourself and lose your identity. And what's interesting is we actually believe the BS we see on the on the Facebook or the, you know, we actually believe that that's what they look like, or that's what they act like, or whatever. They're they're they're, because they're see, the amygdala, the survival system has two fantasies. It has the fantasy of pride and the fantasy of fantasy. It wants a fantasy and it wants proud. So it because of those two addictions, it tends to put only its positive nature out there. And tries to avoid anything that might bring shame and anything might might you know make people think less of you. So this addiction to praise and addiction to fantasy and addiction to pride skews reality about who people are. You get to know them if you start if they start out on a pedestal. It's just a matter of time before you realize that well, hey they're not who you thought. And same thing with the pit. You might find this person you might not trust or like or whatever. They may turn out to be somebody amazing. So I believe it's wise to ask quality questions to equilibrate your mind, which your intuition is attempting to do, but we don't listen to it. We let our impulses and instincts run us instead of our intuitive and reason part. So if I'm infatuated with somebody and I look up to them, that means that I'm too humble to admit what I see in them inside me. And so I have a disowned, deflected, dismembered part of me that I'm denying. And the real truth is that you can't see something in others unless you have it inside yourself in your own form. So if you're admiring them, you're just too humble to admit it, but you got the trait. And the same thing on the despised. If you despise somebody or look down on somebody, you're too proud to admit what you see in them is inside you. You're pointing your finger at them. You should. And when you're looking up to them, I should. And you're trying to live in their values if you look up to them. You're trying to get them to live in your values if you're trying to look down on them both of which are futile. You can't live in other people's values long-term and they can't live in your values. So it's a whole futile attempt and giving false attribution and making a saint out of one individual or a sinner out of the other or a hero or a villain or somebody to infatuate or resent are delusions. Because the, the truth is every human being has got two sides. I mean, look at all the heroes that have revealed their other side in the last decade. A lot of heroes have come down. You know the. Lance Armstrong, who'll Pistorius, Bill Cosby, they, everybody's got two sides. If somebody comes up to me and they want to praise me, I said, you might want to talk to my girlfriend and let her tell you all of my de, you know, defects, because if you, or my downsides, because if not, you'll actually think that I am something you're not, and you'll put me on a pedestal and minimize you, and that defeats the objective of me as a teacher helping you. I'm not worth putting on pedestals or pits. I'm worth putting in your heart, but I'm not worth putting on pedestal pits pitch. I'm not a nice guy. I'm not a mean guy. I'm a human being with the capacity to be nice if you support my values and mean if you don't. <laughs> but then I play both sides at times. And you might see me under the nice side, but you may not see me under the other So You'll have a false ideal instead of a full consciousness of who I am. So I believe that we have the accountability. And I don't think we can't blame the social media because... If you buy into the social media then you' you're, you know that's your own foolishness. Yeah, I don't I don't pay attention to that. I don't I don't I put stuff out on it, but I don't run my life by that. So you have to be accountable for your own reality and, and prioritize your life. You've got enough time to be watching some of that and you don't have you don't have time you're not taking the time to go after what's really important to you unless that's your career. I'd rather ask what is the highest priority action I can be taking right now in my life? to help me fulfill my mission to serve the greatest number of people in the most efficient, effective way with the resources I perceive I have today? I'd much rather ask that question. That's a very powerful question if you put that in in your daily agenda every day and put that on your checklist.
1: It's so powerful. It's so powerful. And and hopefully as people read this book, they start putting it at the top of their daily agenda because it, it sets the table for a beautiful day filled with authenticity and purpose. Uh, John, my goodness, our our time has flown by so rapidly and we're definitely going to have to do this again because I've enjoyed it so much. As you know, I, I wrap up each episode by asking my guests this one question. What is your biggest helping today, John, that one most important piece of information you'd like somebody to walk away with after hearing our conversation?
0: Identify what your life truly demonstrates is most important to your life. And, and if you hear whispering, I should do this, I ought to do this. I need to do this. I must do this. I got to do this. I ought to do this. Just know that's not you. That's an outer authority whispering as a superego in your consciousness and infiltrating your mind and clouding the clarity of what you feel is important. If it brings a tear of gratitude to your eyes, you feel inspired by it. It awakens a vision inside you. You would absolutely love doing it. You feel grateful for the opportunity to do it. You're enthusiastically enthusiastically wanting to work on it. You're certain about it. And you're present with it. That's a sign that's authenticity. I call those the six transcendentals. And taking the time to discern that state daily and mastering the art of prioritizing and really sticking to what's really, truly meaningful to you. Because it, to pursue anything less than what's most important in your life is just going to devalue you. And it's going to keep you from doing something extraordinary. And, I, and you won't build incremental momentum and expand the space and time horizons to create immortal legacies. We go around and say we're immortal souls of theology, but nobody sets immortal goals hardly. So it's a contradiction. And I believe that the second you get authentic, your mind expands and you start giving yourself permission to, hey, I can, do, I can make a difference on the planet. And you really, when I ask people, everywhere I've been in the world, and I've spoken now in 187 countries, every country, every individual says, I want to make a difference. How are you going to make a difference fitting in? You're going to make a difference standing out. And the only way to stand out is to be authentic to what your real values are. So find out what's really important and what your life is really demonstrating, and prioritize your daily life towards that, and give yourself permission to to move into the most important things. And just know you can't live an inspired life unless you delegate lower priority things. If you're coming up with excuses why you can't, you're going to be trapping yourself and be burning yourself out or boring yourself with uninspiring things.
1: Beautifully said, Doctor John. This has been. Incredible as I knew it would be. Tell us where people can learn more about you online as well as learn about the seven secret treasures and the resilient mind.
0: Well, I believe you can go to drdmartini.com and get me. If you just type in my name, most likely you'll find me. I I pretty well in the internet. But I believe Amazon has the books. Okay. Um, so if you just type in either the name, the seven your your seven secret treasures or your resilient, the resilient mind, you'll, it'll come up. But Wonderful. If you hit My name, Amazon, you most likely you'll see him on there.
1: And, and for those of you uh, on the treadmill or in the car, we got get you covered. We'll have links to everything. Dr. Martini, including his newest two books in the show notes at the dot com. Well, John, I've so enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much for coming back on the daily helping. Can't wait to do it again.
0: Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you for the opportunity to be there because you know, my dream was to share ideas and I feel like you're helping me help other people. So we, you, you, thank you. This is we why we win. do.
1: Absolutely. Everybody wins. And to those of you listening to this, thank you as well. If you like what you heard, go give us a follow on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review because that is what helps other people find the show. But most importantly, go out there today and do something nice for somebody else. Even if you don't know who they are and post it in your social media feeds using the hashtag, MyDailyHelping because the happiest people are those that help others.